Brought to you by Modelo. What up, brawlers? Welcome back to Throwing Hands. It's Jacob, per usual. Alongside me, per usual, is Daniel. It's Daniel. How are you doing? Doing great, Jacob. How about you? I'm great, thanks. So we're just going to hop right into it here. It's the first matchup. The only matchup on the prelims that we're going to uh, preview is Vivian, uh, I don't know how you pronounce her last name, Arahujo versus uh, De La, Montana De La Rosa. Uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Uh, this is an interesting, an interesting women's prelim. You've got uh, Vivian Araujo. Uh, who's got a pretty decent track record, uh, 10 professional fights. She's eight and two. Uh, she's done it in several different ways. She's got three knockouts, four submissions in her eight wins. She's the number eight flyweight in the world. And she's fought in Pancras in Japan as well, where she was a strawweight champion. So she's, she's a really interesting fighter. She's coming off a loss to Jessica. I she's beaten Alexis Davis. She's a, a really intriguing fighter. And I think her matched up with Montana De La Rosa who's sitting there at number 11 in the flyweight rankings. This could be a fight that launches one of them towards top five contendership potentially, especially if Vivian Araujo comes out of here with a convincing win. Yeah, I would have to, I'd have to definitely agree with you with that. You know, Araujo, Brazilian Jitsu black belt, loosely very brown, brown belt. She maintains, she maintains that, maintains distance very well. And she has great takedown defense. And with Montana De La Rosa, she'll need that uh, takedown defense. Three-time high school wrestling All-American. Strong ground game. Uh, trains MMA in a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu purple belt. But Montana De La Rosa, she has eight submissions on her record. So she's definitely a third on the ground. All right, to keys for Araujo, um, I think it's maintain distance and keep it standing. I think it's really that simple. If De La Rosa gets you on the ground, she's keeping you there. What do you have to say? I would have to agree with that. That's what makes the most sense to me. Uh, De La Rosa is not an outstanding jiu-jitsu practitioner. Obviously she's, obviously, she's got that kind of pedigree, but her ground game is very wrestling-based. And you could see her try to, uh, try to ground, grind Araujo out a little bit, ground her style. And she's got eight submission finishes, so that's an outstanding track record as far as that goes. So I think you keep this on the feet, even though you, she is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, black belt, is Araujo. But I think she's going to have an advantage on the feet because De La Rosa is so uh, – has her, her fighting style is so centralized out around that ground game. But I think it's just going to be a clash of styles. I think if, if it does go to the ground, Araujo still has a chance. But I think she can dominate Montana De La Rosa on the feet. Definitely. And for De La Rosa, I think it's pretty much – Try to get the submission grinded out on the ground. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, she's going to – I would say f- try to force a submission here. That's going to be her best bet. That's the way she's finished eight of her 11 wins. So if, if she can go in and get a submission, more power to her. It's just going to be really difficult against uh, such an outstanding uh, jiu-jitsu fighter as uh, Vivian Araujo. Okay, to predictions, I think Araujo will win this one by uh, a decision. I think her takedown defense is good enough that she won't be uh, taken to the ground enough that De La Rosa gets the win. What do you have to say? I'm taking Araujo by decision as well, and she will do it in a fashion that will put her close to the top five in that division. All righty, to the next matchup of the night, a lightweight bout between Tiago Moises versus uh, Jalen Turner. Jalen Turner, a young guy, and uh, Tiago Moises, uh, he's – 
a 13 and 4, 3 KO, six subs. Uh, Dana White Contender Series vet out of American Top Team, very formidable. Uh, what do you have to say about Tiago Moises? I mean, Tiago Moises is a guy that honestly, outside of success in the UFC, he's got it all. Like you said, he trains with American Top Team. Uh, he's a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt. Uh, he fought in the Contender Series back in 2018. That's how he earned his spot. He was previously an LFA. He was a champion in RFA. He's got an outstanding track record. He's got an outstanding background. And he's just not had as much success in the UFC. He's 2-2 two and two in the UFC. And he's only got one submission in that time. That was really his calling card uh, before he got to the UFC, uh, particularly on the regional circuits. And then once he got into LFA. Uh, but he's a guy with a lot of talent. He's a guy that can finish people, but he's really strong. He's a well-built guy and he's got some power when he connects uh, with, with strikes in the standup. He's only 25 years old and he's already fought four times in the UFC. This will be his fifth. Uh, he's an outstanding young prospect that just kind of needs to kind of needs to get on track. He's coming off a pretty impressive win against Michael Johnson uh, where he put him out with a heel hook. I would look for him to if he wins this fight, I would I would look for Tiago Moises to be on an upward trajectory pretty strong. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. You know, like you said, he's only 25, and he's beaten the likes of Michael Johnson. So he has he has a very nice pedigree to him, very strong off the back with his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, black belt, and great kicks and constant forward pressure. Now on to Jalen Turner. This guy's young. He's, he's about the same age, I believe, as Tiago Moises. And they're, two, they're very similar fighters, not in they, style, but in background. Yeah, they definitely are too. But Jalen Turner is absolutely humongous for this division. 6'3", 155 pounds with a 77-inch reach and a 46-inch leg reach. This guy is, this guy is insane proportions to his body. High school wrestler, another guy off the Dana White Contender Series. Pressure, very heavy hands, and he's extremely creative with his striking. What do you have to say about Jalen Turner? Yeah, Turner, like you said, he's a massive 155-er at six foot three. He's actually fought welterweight before. But he's he's very similar, uh, like I said, in background uh, to Tiago Moises. He's 2-2 two and two in the UFC. He fought in the Contender Series in 2018. And he's coming off a win where he looked really good, a, a TKO win over Joshua Kulabau uh, back in February. So a, as far as, as Jalen Turner goes, his size and his youth and his power make him a really intriguing prospect. I'm honestly a little surprised that the UFC is taking two guys that are very young, have a lot of ability, and have just needed to get on track in the UFC and are matching them up against each other. I found that really surprising that they would take two guys that are, that are really good prospects that have just had a little bit of trouble adjusting to the UFC and match them up like this. Yeah, that's, that was a little surprising for me, too. I, I figured they'd give these guys, like, a gatekeeper of this division. But, hey, I wouldn't mind seeing some fireworks between these two. So, on to the keys from Moises. I think it's constant pressure and get him up against the fence so Jalen Turner cannot use his wrestling. And use strikes to set up his takedowns against Jalen Turner. What do you have to say? Yeah, I think that's, that's what it's going to have to be. Tiago Moises takes this to the ground. I think he wins it. It's, it's going to be a matter of getting inside – uh, the outstanding reach that is going to be brought to the table in this fight by Jalen Turner, a 77 inch reach as a 155 er is ridiculous as well as 46 inches uh, with the legs. That's, that's going to be really tough uh, for, for Tiago Moises to get inside of him, which I think is, is something to watch in this fight because Moises, I think he's going to have to take this to the ground to win. And it's going to be really hard for him to get in the pocket against Jalen Turner. Yeah, and speaking of Jalen Turner, I think if he maintains his distance with his reach, uses uh, smart striking and keeps a little bit of pressure, he wins this fight. What do you have to say? I would agree with that. It's going to be 
if, if he can cut the cage off, back Moises up, keep him on his heels moving backward and throw bombs, then Taylor, and Turner's going to have a really good chance to win this fight. This is as close to a coin flip, I think, as you're going to find on this card. All right, speaking of coin flips, it's decision time. Uh, I think I'm going to take Jalen Turner in this one. I think his reach is just too much to overcome. What do you have to say? Yeah, I'm going with Jalen Turner. I think this is a bad matchup for Tiago Moises, even though I like him so much. You take a guy in Turner who's who's freakish at, at lightweight in terms of his reach, both uh, with the arms and the legs, and somebody like Moises that's going to rely on getting him to the ground, it's going to be a problem. All right, to the next bout of the evening, uh, we have uh, – Brian Kelleher versus Kevin Natividad. Uh, Natividad coming in. This will be his first UFC fight. Uh, I, th- I think Kelleher was a v- – I forget who he was going to fight. Who was he going to – oh, uh, Ricky Simone. But uh, Simone had a uh, back out. I don't, I don't remember why. Do you know why? I don't remember off the top of my head. All right. So, but we're going to get talking about Brian Kelleher. So, uh, Kelleher is uh, – oh, shoot. Oh, right here, right here. Uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. 21 and 11, eight knockouts, nine subs. Can get it done pretty much anywhere. Strong wrestling, and he likes his ground and pound, and he uses his striking to set up takedowns. What do you have to say about Kelleher? Like you said, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter primarily. Uh, he's able to strike to set up takedowns, as you said, as well. But he's got eight knockouts as well. He's fought 32 times. He's one of the most experienced guys in this division. Uh, and he's got eight knockouts and nine submissions. He's, he's a balanced fighter. He can go to decision as well. He's got the stamina to pull that off. Uh, he's fought in two different divisions. He's back at featherweight. Uh, was a fight of the night winner back in his fight in May against Hunter Azure. He's coming off a loss against Cody Stamen. And Brian Kelleher is a guy that's been around the block long enough that when you get him coming off a loss, you've got a rabid dog coming at you just with the way he fights and the kind of experience he has. Definitely. And, yeah, Kelleher's with his uh, 32 fights uh, over the course of his career. He's seen about just about everything. And with this young guy, Natividad, coming in, this is a fantastic challenge for his first fight. And if he gets the dub out of this, he can make some noise. So on a Natividad, he's an LFA guy. I mean, he's won his last four bouts in the LFA, if I'm not mistaken. Great head movement. He can go to the ground, good takedowns, and uses his takedowns to set up striking just like Kelleher. They're fairly similar except on the ground. What do you have to say about Natividad? And Natividad's an interesting guy. Like you said, light, uh, an LFA veteran, four straight wins there, uh, a couple of knockouts, a couple of decisions in that time. Uh, he's fought uh, really on the regional circuit and, and even in combate uh, all the way back to 2016. Uh, he's got an outstanding amateur track record as well. Uh, when you look at a guy like this coming in on short notice against somebody with so much experience as Brian Kelleher, you honestly don't expect him to win. Uh, usually, uh, but he matches up with Kelleher pretty decently. Uh, they're both five foot six. Uh, Kelleher's going to have a 66 inch reach compared to 70 and a half uh, for Natividad. So that could be a serious uh, advantage for him uh, with over a four inch reach advantage coming in against Kelleher. If Natividad can uh, keep him at a distance and not let him get in close, try to use takedown to set up, uh, like you said, some of those strikes, Natividad may have a, a chance to make this more competitive than we're thinking. All right, so speaking of uh, competitiveness, how's Brian Kelleher going to keep this one competitive? I think he's going to win this fight, personally. I think uh, Kelleher is going to be able to just do what he does. Dodd is a talented fighter, but I don't think he's on Brian Kelleher's level. And I think Brian Kelleher coming off of a loss is going to be really aggressive, and he's going to come right after him. And he's just going to try to control the fight the way any veteran does. And he's going to fight his style of fight. He's going to control the pace, and he's going to win. 
Yep, I'm I'm not going to argue with that there. And if Tivion wants to win this, he's got to keep it standing and just be smart. So to the next fight, we have uh, M- Michael Pereira versus uh, Zalim Im- Imadayev, a Moscow guy out of Russia. But Michael Lima, man, this dude is – he's he's built he's built different. What's, what's your thoughts on Lima? I think Lima, like you said, is, is built a little bit different. I mean, you see his picture on UFC.com, and he looks like an absolute monster. But – He's he's an interesting fighter. Uh, he's coming into this one uh, with uh, an interesting an interesting record at twenty one and eleven. But he's he's a monster, honestly, at 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 this kind of situation. He's I don't know why I'm like stumbling over words right now. But six foot one, one hundred and seventy pounds, seventy three inch reach, forty two inch leg reach, and he's just absolutely jacked. He's uh, gonna. He's going to be able to handle himself on the feet. He's going to be able to handle himself on the ground. And he's honestly a, a guy that is, in terms of unranked fighters, kind of scary in, in the UFC right now because he's only 27. He's fought 36 times, uh, and he's got a, a ton of experience in that realm. Ten knockouts, five submissions, uh, eight wins by submission. He can do it any way you want him to. He's coming off back-to-back losses, uh, but uh, honestly, I don't – think you would underestimate him right now he's fought three times in the UFC he won with a flying knee finished with punches in his debut and then has come off back-to-back losses but was disqualified in his last fight for an illegal knee this is a guy that's really scary and if he's on you're gonna get messed up yeah I I, you, you summed it up perfectly I mean this guy's extremely acrobatic very quick and he's very unpredictable and if he if he hits you on the chin it's it's good night so on him a dive this guy is has very creative striking, but he's pretty slow when it comes to his striking. And he, he has a low gas tank from, from his last fight. Watch his last fight. Uh, I'm not too impressed with him, but he, he could get it done while striking. And he when he goes to his while striking, he gets taken down. What do you have to say about Imadayev? I think Imadayev is probably here to get fed to Michael Pereira, uh, Pereira Lima, honestly. I think that's what we're going to see. <laughs> Uh, Imadayev, he's fought in the UFC twice. He's lost both times. And like you said, he, he's got some interesting things to his game, but his striking just isn't fast enough. Uh, when he does come in for flurries on people, like you said, he tends to get taken down. And I think that bodes very, very poorly against Pereira. Yep. So on to Keys, uh, I think Pereira, if he just doesn't, if he doesn't make too many mistakes, I think he takes this one easily. I mean, he's so unpredictable, and with Zelen being pretty uh, predictable with his striking, he'll just uh, find the hole and knock him out. What do you have to say? Yeah, I think I think Pereira, it's his fight to lose. Control the pace, keep things under control, and when uh, when Zelen comes in for one of those mad rushes that we've been talking about a little bit, just stay under control. If you take him down, take him down, and if you catch him off guard with that, try to submit him. I think uh, he could he could put himself in a position to get a quick finish if Emadayev thinks he needs to finish this one early. Yeah, I think for Emadayev, like you said, I think it's to finish it early. If I think if he doesn't get it done quickly, Pereira's going to figure him out. And if he, this fight gets out of the first round, Pereira's winning. Yeah, there's no question. So predictions, I think Pereira uh, uh, sends him to the graveyard with a knockout. What do you have to say? I'll go Pereira with a submission. Ooh, okay. So – to uh, some intriguing prospects here in the co-main event, uh, Sarge Banks versus uh, Carol Rosa. Uh, Sarge Banks is coming off of tough. Um, she's a uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. She's, she's a 
uh, pretty much a ground person, likes, likes her takedowns and is always looking for submissions. He's quite aware of a lot of things. And she's, and she's strong if you see the picture here. What do you have to say about Eubanks? Yeah, Eubanks is five and four, but she's lost to Aspen Ladd and Beth Correa. Actually lost to Aspen Ladd twice. You, geez, you look at her record. Her four losses, she's got two to Aspen Ladd, one to Caitlin Chikagian, and one to Beth Correa. If you're going to lose to people in, in the Bantamweight division and the Flyweight division, as far as women go, those are the people you want to lose to because those are some outstanding fighters. She's got wins over Lauren Murphy and Roxanne Modafferi. So she's, she's a really interesting fighter. She's been fighting professionally uh, since 2015 when she went into Invicta, and she's only fought nine times. So that's a little bit concerning that she's only fought nine times in five years. But she's a very impressive fighter when she's on. And she's competed with some of the best women in the world. I'm really excited for her. She's got knockout power. She's really more of a striker than anything, though she does have a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. She's able to handle herself both ways. Yeah, definitely. And she can't get it done on the feet, too, but she likes the ground. That's where she's comfortable. On to Carol Rosa. Uh, Four KOs, two subs. Uh, the rest have gone by decision. She can get it done anywhere. She maintains distance very well. She's patient and aware. She does go for those low calf kicks like Gaethje, and she closes the distance with leg grabs. What do you have to say about Carol Rosa? Uh, yeah, she's, like you said, you, you summed it up pretty well, actually. She's going to be going into her third fight in the UFC. She's won twice by decision, uh, but she does it in a multitude of ways. She's submitted people. She's punched people out. She's won by doctor stoppage. She's won by corner stoppage. Honestly, when she's finishing people, it's pretty brutal, uh, judging by that. But you go back into her history, and she's just got a, a history of winning fights and doing what it takes to win fights. She does it uh, multiple different ways. She's had success uh, fighting multiple different styles, and I think that bodes really well for her. Definitely so. To the keys for you, Banks, I think if she keeps it on the ground, maintains top control, and doesn't let Rosa uh... – you know, brutalize her in any way. I think she takes the cake. What do you have to say? Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, interesting fact, uh, before we move on, Carol Rosa, actually, if you go back to 2014, uh, a very young Carol Rosa holds a victory over a very young Jessica Andrade. Interesting. An interesting, an interesting thing to note there, but I would have to agree with you on that front. That is not the same Jessica Andrade. That is wild. Wait, like the it's a whole another person. There's another Jessica Andrade that has only fought in Brazil. Interesting. She is not nearly as good as the one that's in the UFC. So ignore what I just said, (laughs) but uh, I totally agree with you as far as the way this fight's going to go. All right. And for Rosa, I think just, just dirty it up. Don't let Eubanks uh, grab a hold of you because you're not letting, you're not getting let go of. What do you have to say? I would agree with that. All right. Predictions. What do you got? Ground and pound KO for Eubanks. You know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, Go off the beaten path. I'm going to take Rosa by uh, by KO. So, well, TKO. They don't really KO people in women's MMA. I'm wait, I want to see that, though. Okay. What the heck? Oh, this. Oh, I didn't know this fight got moved. Oh, interesting. Um, let me see if I still have notes on that. <laughs> yeah, Menafield St. Peru, man. Yeah, Oven St. Peru. I, yeah, we talked about this a little bit. Um, I mean, these guys are both. Uh, Ovin St. Pru, I mean, he's a legend. He's been around for a long time. He's seen everything. Um, and Alonzo Menafield, he's just a big dude. What do you have to say about this fight? Yeah, OSP, his style is known. He's a huge man who's been around for a really long time. And he just he can strike. He can go to the ground. He's got that Von Flew choke in his back pocket. 
so he's a really interesting guy when it comes to that as a guy with so much size who, who could do it in multiple ways. And then Menafield is just a massive human being that hits really freaking hard. That's, that's the way that I can describe Menafield uh, for the most part. He's honestly, in terms of style, he's a lot like a traditional heavyweight fighting at light heavyweight because he's just a big dude who punches really hard and puts people down with one shot. And obviously you have guys like that in every division, but Menafield's especially with his kind of swarming style uh, with just massive shots that he brings in on people. It's kind of like a traditional heavyweight style that you're seeing in the light heavyweight division. Yeah, definitely. And, and, he, and he's yoked. You can't deny yeah. that. He's yeah. absolutely, he's absolutely jacked. He's jacked. And uh, OSP with his kickboxing background, it'll be a, it'll be a striking matchup for sure. All right, so I think the keys for OSP uh, use his reach and his leg reach to keep distance because I, I think if Alonzo Menafield gets in the pocket and gives him a nice uppercut, it's over. What do if you have Menafield to say? If Menafield gets in the pocket, OSP is going to sleep. Yep. So we, we uh, put our keys down there. So I'm going to take OSP in this one because I think he's just seen everything. I mean, he's fought 38 times professionally. And uh, Menafield's only fought 10 times, so – He's, I think, I think uh, OSP just has seen too much. So I'm going to take him by decision. What do you have to say? I'm going Menafield, man. This is a guy I really like. The more I've watched him, the more I like what he does. I think he's knocking Ovin St. Pru out in the first round. Oh, okay. I mean, that wouldn't yes. surprise me. OSP's old. Yes. So, okay. To the main event of the evening, we got the Ream versus Augusto Sakai. You could uh, argue that his, Sakai's last fight uh, was kind of dirtied up by that fence grab against. Uh, uh, Ivanov, but you know, he got the job done anyway. So, I mean, the Reem needs no introduction. I mean, uh, former yeah, strike. We, force we can, we can honestly just, just skip over him. If you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know who Alistair Overeem is. Kickbox with sign, you know, but what are your thoughts on Sakai? Augusto Sakai, 29 year old Brazilian, 15, one and one, uh, Muay Thai fighter for the most part, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu brown belt, but definitely more of a Muay Thai guy. Uh, sort of a renaissance man when it comes to what you see typically out of Brazilian fighters. But uh, he comes in 11 knockout wins. It was a split decision uh, against Blugoa Ivanov, as you said. Uh, but he's got wins over Chase Sherman and Andrei Arlovsky as well. Uh, he's a huge up-and-comer in this heavyweight division. Uh, he's got a history of success in Bellator as well. Uh, so uh, this is a guy that's been fighting at a really high level since he was 22 years old when he made his Bellator debut in 2013. And he's a guy that can go. He he looks a little a little less than intimidating, uh, just his his body and his build. But he's an extremely refined Muay Thai striker. Uh, he he kicks people. He's he's the type of guy when he kicks somebody in the ribs and catches it flush, it sounds like a gunshot going off. And, and yeah. Sakai just peppers people with kicks. He's got heavy hands when he lands them. And I really like his future in this division. Yeah, I do too. He he does bring a lot of potential to the table, like you said. He has very quick hands too, especially at 265 pounds. So he'll just he'll just uh, hit you with a barrage of strikes. So uh, to Keys, I think Alistair O'Reilly needs to use his reach uh, in every way possible here, because if Augusta Sakai comes to the pocket, he's just going to bring the volume and just knock you out. Especially with Overeem being 40, it, it might not fare well for him if he gets hit on the chin flush. What do you have to say? This will be an interesting fight for Overeem. Because obviously it's it's a little bit of a different fighter in Augusto Sakai, but I think this will be a very similar game plan to what we saw in his fight against Walt Harris back in May. It's two guys, uh, both Harris and Sakai, that are primarily strikers. 
that primarily are going to try to finish it on the feet. Obviously, Walt Harris is much more of a boxer uh, than Augusto Sakai, who is very much a traditional Muay Thai fighter. But I think Overeem, if he can kind of dirty this fight up, uh, keep distance, obviously he's an outstanding kickboxer. He's going to be able to match Sakai there. But if he can kind of utilize more wrestling than, than kickboxing even in this fight, similar to what he did with Walt Harris, get this one to the ground and probably finish it with ground and pound, I think that would probably be the path to the win for him. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with you there. I think uh, Overeem's wrestling is extremely underrated. He has, he has uh, 17 submissions on his resume, so he can get it done on the ground. And I think if it goes to the ground, Overeem has the advantage because he's just much a very strong man. But for Sakai, I think his keys are uh, look to catch him, honestly. Just look for holes in his game. And if you catch him on the chin, it's over because he's old. What do you have to say? Yeah, I think you're going to be looking for Sakai to stick some of those leg kicks that we've seen a lot out of him, even some body kicks. And I think if he can catch Overeem flush coming in, it'll do some serious damage. So – predictions I, I think the reams on a mission here he wants that belt and i think he's gonna fulfill he's not gonna fulfill the mission necessarily but he's gonna fulfill a part of his mission tonight so give me the ream and buy uh tko what do you have to say augusto sakai by decision Ooh, okay all right so speaking of uh the heavyweight division and uh the ream wanting to do it how far do you think he'll get well i think he's gonna lose saturday for one thing uh, but I think Alistair Overeem has proven time and time again that he's, for some reason, not going anywhere. He's got some of the best longevity we've ever seen in mixed martial arts. He's fought 65 times. He made his professional debut in 1999. So this is a guy, he fought in rings in the early days of, of professional MMA. He fought in pride. He fought in strike force. He's in the UFC. He's a former heavyweight champion in the UFC. This is a guy that's done everything, and honestly, when it comes down to it, if Alistair Overeem says he's going to do something, I'm not going to bet against him. Yeah, nor am I. I mean, yes, yes. I mean, here. so the rankings just changed because Cormier just got taken out. The people ahead of him are Lewis, Rosenstreich, Cormier, Blades, and Ganu, and Stipe. I mean, that's... He beat Rosenstreich. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did beat... No, he lost Rosenstreich. That's my... Yeah, he That's my... But, I mean, the ref kind of called that one early, and he would have won that fight against Rosenstreich. But, I mean, that's just so many people there. Yeah. that's And so many people he's lost to. Yeah. And I think – He's lost to Stipe. He's lost to Rosenstreich. He's lost to Ngannou. And he's lost to Blades. Yeah. So, it's, it's going to be tough for him to get another title shot. But if he beats Augusto Sakai on Saturday and then comes out and probably – he'd have to avenge – either a loss to Rosenstreich, Blades, or Nganu before he gets a shot at Stipe. But if he beats Augusto Sakai on Saturday and then looks convincing beating one of those other guys, who's to say he doesn't get a shot at Stipe? And once you get a guy in the octagon fighting for a title, it's all gone. All the all bets are off. Every, all, the, all the chips are on the table. So, I mean, there's a path for Alistair Overeem to get another shot at the heavyweight title, and there's a path for him to win it. I don't see it happening because I think he's going to lose on Saturday, but I don't think he's that far off from putting himself in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, yes, he is old, like you said, like we've both said, but you make a good point. Don't bet against him. But I, I'm looking at this heavyweight division right now. I think Curtis Blades is a total sleeper in this division. That's the Absolutely. only matchup. 
that's the only matchup he really has if he wins this fight because I know, uh, well, Cormier's out of the rankings, uh, and Ganu's going to fight Stipe, and then Rosen, uh, then uh, what's his face? Lewis and, oh, Lewis and Blades are fighting, aren't they? Right, you get Rosenstrike, probably. Yeah. yeah, they could probably do a rematch against there. So it's, it's entirely possible, but unlikely. So on to news, I guess. Um, the most heartbreaking news I saw today was uh, uh, Glover shares out with COVID for next week. That hurt. What are your thoughts on that? It's been rescheduled. It's going to be October 3rd now. Uh, But that's a fight that we were counting on to kind of decide some things in the pecking order in the light heavyweight division. And it's obviously not going to happen, as you said, uh, with Teixeira testing positive. So his fight with Thiago Santos is moved back a couple weeks to October 3rd. It's it's tough. But we're going to get that fight anyway. We're just going to have to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, I mean, I'm a a big Thiago Santos guy. I like love Teixeira too. I mean, he's been... He's been coming a little comeback at the age of like, I don't know, 80, however old he is, but we'll, we'll see. Do you have any other news? Uh, nothing jumps off the page, I would say. Oh, uh, Habib, uh, like, didn't like, he like sent out the card of 254, like, on Twitter. Did you see that? I did not. Ooh, I, I'm going to pull that up real quick. This is, okay. guys, if this is podcasting 101 here. Uh, uh, while you do that, I will talk to the people. Uh, Anthony Smith is in bad shape. Bad, 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 bad shape. What happened? So uh, he uh, has what is called an occult fracture uh, in, his, in the head of his fibula, which is uh, one of the bones in the leg. Uh, it actually doesn't appear well on an x-ray, so it takes more testing to confirm that. That's a four- to six-week uh, injury, but uh, he's saying – uh, that he's he's in pretty rough shape. Uh, there's some pretty serious damage to his leg uh, after that Alexander Rockich fight. And actually, uh, what he said is uh, essentially three kicks. This is a direct quote uh, from uh, Anthony Smith. And this is what absolutely terrifies you about Alexander Rockich moving forward. Uh, Alexander Rockich landed three leg kicks. Three, <laughs> and he and he broke Anthony Smith's leg oh, with three leg kicks. Jeez. Anthony Smith literally says, "That's the thing. He kicked me three times. That is nuts." Hector, Hector Lombard kicked me thirty-two times in that fight. No issues. I walked through the airport the next day. Three kicks from Alexander Rockich, and I'm on effing crutches. <laughs> That's. That's that's terrifying. Oh my gosh, he he puts your legs out with three kicks. Yeah, that's insane. All right, I have so Gaethje puts uh, posted something yesterday on Twitter. Uh, the potential card for two, the main card. Um, it's not confirmed yet, but we have uh, Makayev, Makach, Makachev, Makachev. There we go. Versus Dos Anjos, uh, Whitaker versus Cannoneer. Zabit versus Rodriguez, Ferguson versus Poirier, and uh, Habib versus Gaethje. That's what he posted on there. If that, if, is if that a fantasy card or something? I know, but that's what he posted. I mean, is there context to that? I, mean, I totally missed this. L- let me let me read what he put on Twitter. Two champion, four former champion, four title challengers. How do you like this card with full of killers? Best card of the year. This is on Gaethje's Twitter. 
No, this is on uh, Habib's Twitter. Oh, Habib. Okay. That's dude, nuts. Dude, because, if this happens. I mean, Dustin Poirier is saying he hasn't even been contacted about a Tony Ferguson fight. But, but if this, if this, if this happens, is happening, oh dude. I mean, I mean, the, the Dos Anjos fight could be a main event in itself on a fight night card. Yeah. But Whitaker and Cannoneer, Zabit and Rodriguez, Ferguson versus Poirier. I mean, in... you, take, you take three of those fights, and it's one of the top five cards of the year. Oh, my gosh. I hope this happens. I hope this happens. Oh, my gosh. All right. Do you have anything else? I do not. That's – I don't – first of all, I don't know how I missed that. And second of all, that is shocking. All right. I think that's a good note to end it on. Daniel, thanks for coming back on, man. Absolutely, man. Thank you. All right, of course. And we'll see you guys uh, soon. I think maybe an interview, maybe a review. I don't know. We'll see. See you guys.